Welcome to 15 Minutes to Wellness by the American Council on Exercise. I'm Dr. Michael Mantell, the ACE Senior Fitness Consultant for Behavioral Sciences and your host for this series. My goal today and for every podcast in the series is to discuss some small steps you can take to help you better your life and find happiness through health. In each broadcast in the series, I'll interview a new health and fitness expert. I also want to welcome the hundreds of thousands of folks searching for positive ways to make health, nutrition, and fitness a part of their daily, hectic, busy, tight, and budgeted lives. I'm delighted to be able to welcome Dr. E. Lee Rice with us on 15 Minutes to Wellness. Dr. Rice is the founder of the Life Wellness Institute. He has more than 30 years of experience as a family and sports medicine physician. He was one of the five original people who started the specialty in sports medicine and family health. Dr. Rice is one of the premier medical experts on wellness nationally and internationally. Dr. Rice still sees patients every day, uh, but he's also a frequent speaker for executive organizations, including Young Presidents Organization, World Presidents Organization, Vistage International, uh, Management Coaching, as well as for private and public companies, including one of the most renowned fitness programs, residential fitness programs in the nation called Premier Fitness Camp, located in the beautiful resort of La Costa here in Carlsbad, California. Dr. Rice started out with a Bachelor of Science from the University of Santa Barbara, received his Doctor of Osteopathy from Kirksville College of Osteopathic Medicine in 1973, and in 79 established the San Diego Sports Medicine and Family Health, which at the time was one of the only, maybe the only, facility in the country that applied sports medicine theories to the general population. Dr. Rice has been team physician for numerous professional amateur teams, including the San Diego Chargers, San Diego Clippers, San Diego Gulls, USA Olympic Volleyball, and numbers of other America's Cup syndicates. He's a clinical professor at Wayne University of Health Sciences, UCSD School of Medicine, SDSU, fellow of the American Academy of Family Physicians, the American College of Sports Medicine, and the American Osteopathic Academy of Sports Medicine, This guy has done it all. I can't believe you even have 15 minutes for us, but thanks so much, Dr. Rice, for taking the time and sharing with our American Council on Exercise family today. Thank you, Dr. Mantel. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Let's talk about optimal health and wellness, not for the elite athlete, but for the average uh, person today who wants to live life healthier what are the foundations of optimal health from your vantage point? Well, you know, we used to think that genetics was the big deal, and if you struck it rich in the genetic lottery, that you were pretty well guaranteed a, a nice long life. We now know that genetics doesn't really make up more than about 15 to 25% of the the reason why people live long or die prematurely or depending on uh, their overall risk factors, what kind of a, of a healthy life or ill life they may have. So the newest thing now that scientifically we're interested in is this whole field called epigenetics. And epigenetics is basically a field of study looking at proteins that actually go to our genes, sit on top of our genes, 
and have the capacity and the power to switch them on or switch them off or even like a rheostat on a light switch, it can modify the expression of the gene. So the way this turns out is that we have much more power than we ever thought possible to design our own outcomes based on our choices of behaviors because those behavioral choices actually modify our genetic expression and can protect us against things that we may have genes that would predispose us to, or on the other hand, we may have genetic protection against things, but if we make poor life choices, then we can give ourselves certain types of premature diseases, cancers, premature aging, and so forth. And the things that we've always thought were important, but now we know are really important because of this epigenetic influence, are the behaviors such as exercise and sleep and nutrition and stress modification and relationships and attitude. There you go. So I, I developed a, I played with a, a model I developed, I call the chair method. I'm interested in what you think about this. C, C stands for commitment, deeply felt commitment that are consistent and comfortable. You have to have some goals. And H is your healthier foods, healthy carbs, healthy proteins, healthy fat. A is activity, you know, 10,000 steps a day and so forth. I is your inner motivation. And R is uh, rewardable goals. So you have commitment, healthy foods, activity, inner motivation, and rewardable, realistic goals. Tell me what you think about that. I love it. I love it. I think you've (laughs) captured it right there. So what is it that you do at your Institute for Life Wellness that people around the country who are listening can benefit from? How How are you helping people in a preventive way with their wellness? Because you do a lot of workplace wellness programs as well. Let's focus first on what people can do at home and then what people can do at work. It's a really good question because the answer to that question actually, I think, is the key. And my view on that is very much like your chair analogy. I think that many people, actually most of us, know what we should do. We know that you know eating double bacon cheeseburgers is not great for our health, but people do it anyway. It's a matter of what are our priorities, what are our goals, and what's our purpose. And what I like to help people do is define their own personal life mission. Because if people are very clear on this for most people, obviously have things to do with health and being the best you can be and maximizing your human potential and being a good friend, a good parent, a good son or daughter, etc., being a worthwhile person in general in your life and your work and so forth, And so if somebody isn't clear on what their core values and their goals are, then as Yogi Berra said, any road will get you there. And so it doesn't matter what I eat today because, you know, but if I really value my health because I look at my health and my body as a gift and I want to maximize the return on investment of this wonderful gift we have of being alive and being a presence to other people and a meaning in their life, then we're going to adopt healthy behaviors that reflect that and What we do here at Life Wellness, to answer your question, once we help people clarify what their personal mission and their goals are, then we make a business plan out of their wellness life. So we look at what their risk factors are, what their family history risk factors might be. Uh, We look at what their goals are and what our goals would perhaps be, what we think they should be paying attention to based on their history and their lab results and their physical exam findings and so forth. And then together we develop a business plan saying, here's where you are now, where would you like to be one year, five years, ten years from now, and what behaviors 
need to happen between now and then to get you there? And how do we know that we're succeeding? How do we develop key indicators of success, what needs to be monitored, and who do you need on your team to help support you to know that you're making progress? And that that's where coaches, health coaches, personal trainers, the physicians, teams, and so forth come into play. But I'm so interested. I want to highlight this. The first question that Dr. Lee Rice, one of the five originators of, of the specialty of sports medicine, one of the first people to be involved in life wellness, preventive medicine here, says, the, before I worry about your blood pressure, your large waist circumference, your low HDL, your triglycerides, the first thing I'm asking you is, what's your philosophy? What's, what's your why? What, what are your values? That's very different, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I think it because it goes to the core of changing habits. What we find is that habit change is very difficult for most of us. We all are kind of stuck in yesterday. One of my favorite doctor friends says we're all addicted to the pain we know. <laughs> we may not like it, but we're comfortable in it because it's what we know and it's yeah, what we I know t- the outcome. I tell people it's like the guy banging his head against the wall. He's afraid to stop because then he'll feel the pain. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's kind of what it all boils down to is changing habits, being aware of what our habits are, being aware of the messages we're sending to our own brains, telling us who we are in life and why we do things and the rationalizations and excuses we make. And we have people redefine what their story is. We have people think about their old story, which basically is all the rationalizations that we have bought into that keep us stuck. You know, I'm overweight because I travel too much to eat healthy, or I just don't have time to exercise, or I'm too needed at work to be there for my son's ball games. you know, those kinds of things. So the link is what you think. The link uh, is what you think. That's what I tell my clients all the time. So if you, you, you really are digging into the mind before you get involved in the muscle or the mouth. Well, if you have a reason, if people can identify not just I'd like to lose 10 pounds, but I'd like to look great in my tuxedo as I walk down the aisle with my daughter this summer when she gets married because I want her to be proud of her dad. Uh-huh. Yeah, see, that's-, that's an emotional reason why I'm going to be able to stick with my diet and go pick up my exercise clothes and put on my running shoes even when the weather's bad because I've got a emotionally significant reason attached to my goal as opposed to just losing 10 pounds, which really isn't all that exciting by itself. Right. And in fact, I'm sure that you don't even help people diet because we know that diet means weight gain. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. So now what about at work? We know that, uh, you know, more than 30% of the population is sedentary. Uh, We go to work, we sit at desks. But what kind of work are you doing in the workplace wellness space? Well, we do programs for companies to uh, to embed, essentially, wellness programs within the corporate culture. So we help companies decide what their goals are and what their biggest risk factors for their workforce is. And uh, then we help them put in achievable goal-setting behaviors for the population in that workplace to help them reduce risk factors, be more present at work, etc. And I think it's time that we stopped kind of playing just the card of the carrot or the stick for employees, because that really hasn't worked well in the past. What does that mean? Tell us what that means. What I mean by that is that our work site wellness programs in the past have tended to say, look, if you don't do this, then we're going to penalize you in some way. Or if you do work out, then we're going to give you a, perks, a free t-shirt, and maybe we'll subsidize $10 a month in membership. 
While those things are fine, a very additive to a good program, I think the reality is that people are smart and they know, and I think today they're ready for the truth. And the truth is that healthier workers are better employees, they're smarter, have less off days from work because of sickness or injury, they get injured less, the cost of rehabilitation per injury is less in a healthy worker, their motivation to show up at work, their commitment and their loyalty to the company is better when they're healthier. So the truth is that healthy workers are just good, smart, common sense for business. And so businesses should pay attention to that and want to hire people that are healthier and put in programs that encourage the commitment to a healthy lifestyle and a healthy culture among the workers where the workers can help each other. So if employees can all be committed to each other's health instead of just their own health, then the chances for overall group success is much greater. So we look at sort of a three-phase program. It's, it's assessment, finding out what is in the company, and then education, helping people understand why the importance is there to adopt healthy lifestyles, and then life restyling, to offer programs within the corporate life for people to succeed, and helping them do that, and then incentivizing them and catching them being good, and, uh, you know, cooperating with the process and allowing people to feel good about themselves because they are. And then, of course, there's the, the a monitoring, measuring progress, and so forth. How important today in the lifestyle habit change world is technology, the wearables that people have? Are you recommending that to people, you know, wear the Fitbit and these different kinds of tools that the Consumer Electronics Show just came out with? What about that in your world? I think that's, that's the future of a lot of this. But also, I'm a little bit realistic, I think, in that although the technology is great, like in many places in life, technology can take away the human interaction component. When we sign people up for our program in our total wellness evaluation, we do a program called Emergenetics, and it looks at preferential thinking traits and behavioral traits. So it has to do with to prefer to think and act in the world. And it turns out that some people just love, for example, uh, the structure of gadgetry, you know, and they're very analytical and they just, they eat that up and they love to count their heartbeats and look at their watch and all that. And then there are other types of people that that would drive them crazy and they'd have no interest in doing that at all. They just want to be creative. They want to do it in their own way. They don't, wouldn't even look at it if they had the watch on. And so I think it's very important to understand what motivates each individual and to realize that it's not a one-size-fits-all answer. And our job is to figure out how to use, you know, whatever mechanisms and, and things are available to be eclectic, basically, in our approach, so that we fit the solution to the person, not the person to the solution. Folks, you, you're hearing one of the uh, luminaries in the field of lifestyle medicine, sports medicine specifically, one of the five original people who started the medical specialty of sports medicine, Dr. Lee Rice. It is a joy to have you here and uh, to have shared with our ACE family, American Council on Exercise, fitness trainers and health coaches, and of course, the broad general public all around the world who have tuned in and listened to these 15 minutes for wellness. Dr. Rice, thank you very, very much. I certainly appreciate uh, you sharing your wisdom. And um, Next time we'll have you on, we'll talk about the San Diego Chargers. <laughs> I'd love to. Okay, thank you very much for Thank you me. very, very much. 
And uh, I want to thank everyone for joining us today. As always, I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and continue your journey to health and fitness by visiting acefit.com, where you can find everything you need to live your most fit and healthy life. You can explore thousands of healthy recipes, health and fitness videos and articles, uh, workout plans, health programs, creative ways you can get your family moving, and really expert insight on a wide range of topics. Join me next time on 15 Minutes to Wellness, which you can find at acefit.com slash fitcasts. I'm Dr. Michael Mantell, thanking you for being with us on 15 Minutes to Wellness.